This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. We'll get ready to talk about cars, trucks, SUVs, electric cars, the UAW, and anything else that drives down the road or flies over the top of it, because there's going to be flying cars soon enough. BJ Colleen is joining us, automotive journalist, journalist extraordinaire. I can't even say it. She's my friend. And uh, how you doing, BJ? <laughs> you know, they've been promising me flying cars since I know, the 70s. I know. I'm just getting tired of waiting. I don't think I'm going to get to see it in my lifetime, but I sure wished I was one. I know there's been a couple of experimental ones that are kind of cool, but nothing for real. But well, the bottom line is, you know how bad people drive on the roads. Can you even imagine oh, trying to deal with that in the air? No, I know. No. And here's the thing. Before we see flying cars, we're seeing flying drones now with people in them. You know? Yes. It's like, yes. uh-oh. Then you're going to have the attack of the flying drone cars, where you're not sure if it's a car or a drone or it's both. It's, you know, it's going to have, uh, what do they call the he and the she and the he, she? You know? It's, yeah. We don't know if it's yeah. a car or a drone. Anyway. I know. It's a gender-neutral <laughs> yeah. transportation device. There you go. I know. Oh, my God. She got G-N-T-D. That's a G-N-T-D. Okay. <laughs> okay. You got to shorten it. All right. All right. So... Yes. News. Let's talk about news. You know, Mercedes-Benz builds probably the strangest looking wagon called the G-Wagon or Galanderwagen, which is something they've had for many, many years, a big off-road vehicle right. and on-road as well, luxury vehicle. Have you ever owned one of those, Alan? That's you one thing everything. I've never owned, but had my eyeball on one. Actually, a friend of mine was threatening to sell one and then when i said what do you want for it he woke me up like half an hour later with some smelling salts i was like that, <laughs> it's worth that much they're very yes. spendy you know yeah they start around 140 eee! in the u.s yeah and go up from there but everybody loves them you know you can't keep them on the lots they're very popular i think they were coming in as black market vehicles originally when they first started coming in but mercedes understands that it really is among their most expensive and profitable models so the only natural progression is to make a baby G-Wagon. Oh, geez. So they're talking about that, probably going to compete with the Ford Bronco. I think they, everybody's looking at how well the Ford Bronco's doing, and they want something to play right around there. So they're talking about, I mean, they haven't said it 100%, but it's pretty close. I think they're going to get it. And uh, probably you'll see it around 2026 at the earliest. I don't know what the price will be. It won't It won't be a discount, you know, $20,000 vehicle, maybe closer to 50 or 60, but that's half the price of the current Galandervagen or right. the current G Wagon. So we'll see what happens. But it's interesting that they're considering it. So yeah. we'll see. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, and the thing is that uh so it's it seems like the G Wagon it kind of priced itself out of the market there a little bit. You know, that's why they're having to kind of downsize and make a smaller. They made a smaller little wagon like that with Mitsubishi for a while there in the early 2000s which i can't remember what acronym or what numbers it was but really a cute little thing so if they do this right they may have a hit on their hands it's possible i think they'll sell every one they make i'll be honest that it's such a popular vehicle people who own a big one would probably want to own a, a small one right, because right. they probably own one of the smaller 
Mercedes, you know, SUVs or CUVs. So I, I think this would go over big. I bet you see when they come on market that they'll already be sold out. You won't even be able to get one right off the bat. So yeah, good for them. Nice so, vehicles, though. Good. Really nice, kind yes. of big, boxy, the G-Wagon, big, boxy SUV. Very expensive, but it's a status symbol machine. I wonder if the little one will be, too. When are they supposed to be doing this? 2026, they're saying it's oh, earliest. But, you there. know, that yeah. G-Wagon is incredibly capable off-road. It really is impressive. I've been in it, and we've done some hill climbs oh, yeah. and things oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, they, they it's definitely going to rival Range Rover vehicles. And I don't know if it's going to take over from the Bronco, because the Bronco, even though some of the prices are getting up there, I think the Bronco is a more serious off-roader where the G-Wagons tend to be a little bit more profile, you know, Beverly Hills kind of stuff, you yeah. know, instead of just actually going off-road. So, well, But we'll see what happens. So. And, and, you know, the funny part about it is who's going to spend that kind of money and actually go off-roading the way it's designed to go? It's kind of like the Range Rovers. Same deal. Um, life is funny like that, isn't it? I mean, I, I yeah. have... A um, a Jeep Rubicon that can do the Rubicon Trail. The worst Rubicon Trail I've done is a. I think I might have drove over a curb here by accident. <laughs> we'll take a break. <laughs> uh, BJ Colleen is here. We're talking a little bit about the news in the auto world. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This song is called Road Hazard. Uh, it's because, you know, there's a lot of road hazards in the auto industry right now. Speed bumps, potholes, uh, and uh, the automakers are just driving head on into them. I don't know why. Why do they keep doing this? <laughs> I, just, I think part of it, BJ Colleen, part of it is the political arena that is going on in these last, I don't know what it's been, seven, eight years there's just a lot of politics and everybody is trying their best to, I don't know, fit in, go get along, go along to get along. I, but man, I sure respect those who step back from the go along to get along crowd, you know, like with all these electric cars and things. Finally, a couple of the automakers are going, all right, all right, all right. Put the brakes on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I said, hold on. You know what I mean? That's what you got to no, do. I, I understand. And, you know, the automotive industry 
you know, people just, okay, there's a car here. They don't understand how deep it is because really I think it's like one in every 10 jobs in the U.S. is connected to the auto industry somehow, whether it's wow. working at the factories or designing with the manufacturers or selling the cars or car washes. I mean, there's always something that's related to the tire industry. Yeah, you know, it's, right. it's absolutely huge. It's a giant business. And, you know, it's just it's ridiculous. And I, you have to feel sorry. You know, I'm a consumer, obviously. And you have to feel sorry for the manufacturers, even though I know they make billions of dollars. But it's always something. There's always something, and the always something was the microchips before, and then COVID, and now you've got the UAW demands that they're making on the big three right I now. Know. I'm sure they'll get around to the other ones. Yep. But what they're asking, I don't know if it's out of line. I was a union member once when I drove for Yellow Cab in L.A. in the summertime when I was in college. That's the only time I joined the Teamsters for like... <sighs> Three months, okay? Wow. So I didn't really understand it. But the UAW, what they're asking for is a 46% pay raise over a couple of years, a 32-hour work week but get paid for 40 hours of pay. What? And a restoration of traditional pensions. So it's amazing what they're demanding. Even the UAW's own president calls it audacious. But the contract are over on September 14th. So what's going on right now is they think that they're all going on strike. And again, here's the manufacturers just coming out of COVID, coming off the microchip shortage, just getting vehicles back. And now a strike can throw it into the mix. And then the people don't have cars. So if the strike lasts even 10 days, it would cost nearly a billion dollars for the, the big three automakers. And, you know, they could lose, I can't even, untold amount of production. So mm. the cars that you want will not be around. So, of course, what happens then is that the dealers mark up the cars that they have because they are in demand. So it's just, it's absolutely crazy what's going on here. And, mm. I, and I'm not saying anything against the union workers. Yeah, it's a boring job. They work really hard. I know they're working hard at it. But, you know, is it crazy to get that kind of a raise what they that the UAW is uh, what the manufacturers are saying is that the truth is what they get with benefits and everything we're talking about 60 bucks an hour so that's pretty good that they're getting that with all the benefits and everything else so i like i said i'm walking the middle of the road i don't know what's going on here i'm not close enough to the workers you know we're not based in michigan like some people are i will right. be going back there next week so huh? Maybe I'll, I'll get some input from some of the people that are in the industry that are at the factories and think that the strike makes sense. Mm. But I don't know. What's your take on this? Adam? Well, I, I noticed I'm just as you're talking, I'm reading the uh, list of requests and I got down here to craft services. Listen to this. Lobster on Mondays, caviar on Tuesdays, flank steak on Wednesdays, spaghetti on Thursday, potato latka on Friday. Every other Friday, they do sushi instead of potato latkes. I don't think this is unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, I'm going. I'm leaving now. I'm going there. I'm, I'm going to join. Yeah. yeah, lobster Mondays oh. sounds really good. To me. I know, right? So. Well, you know why? Because Mondays always suck. And if you got to suck, you might as well suck a little piece of lobster out of the end of the crabs thing, you know, whatever there. I don't know. What don't you do job you? that you work at pays you for 32 hours, but I mean, you work 32 hours, but you get paid for 40. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I scratch my head. I don't understand. 
you know, I guess if you're going to go on strike, you're going to demand everything. And I don't know. I just don't know anymore. I just don't. I don't know. Fridays, every other Friday, potato latke and sushi. It's a back and forth thing because they got to do the, you know, spaghetti Italian food. You got the uh, surf and turf. A little uh, Hebrew dish there, I guess. Potato latkes. <laughs> Yum. We'll take a break. Oh, please don't go on strike, you guys. Please don't do it. We'll be right back. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged cross-trek wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. is The Drive with Alan Taylor. Yes, and during the commercial break, we discussed the uh, finer arts of making potato latkes. Yes. <laughs> That's the way we roll. BJ Colleen is here, automotive journalist extraordinaire, and uh, giving uh, a little insight to what's going on in the world of the auto industry, insider's point of view. I am sad about the uh, strike thing. With all of what's going on in this world, it's like, can't we get along? Really? No, can't you just make no. it a little bit easier? Or is that the way the political arena is? Stab them right in the guts, slash back and forth, and say, now give me my other tennis shoe. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. All you had to do is just like <laughs> punch me in the shoulder. Now my guts are hanging out. Yeah, it's like, really? No. It's too much. You know? While we were talking, it just occurred to me, I think the Latka was a Russian car. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no, that was a Latvia, right? Latvia. <laughs> Lat now, Latvia is a country. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Potato Latvia. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We're out of control. Okay, yes. let's get back to the news. So, another stick shift vehicle has bit the dust. Oh. Mini revealed that they will not be offering a manual transmission in their vehicles, which is kind of funny because apparently they just opened a mini manual driving school in California to teach people how to drive a manual transmission. Now they're not going to have a manual transmission oh in their cars. You know, so slowly but surely they are boiling us like the frog in the hot water. And it's just, they just keep on turning up the heat till the car wipes your, your rear end for you. It picks your nose. It, it pats you on the back when you, uh, when you cough, and, you know, but there's no experience. I bought here the other day a 2015 BMW, and a little three series with a manual transmission. You know why? Because I think it's going to be a classic because it's got a manual <laughs> transmission. Honestly, it very well could. It's an anti theft device because right. you know how to drive one. So right, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so but I another one bites the dust. So, so Frankfurt Auto Show is going on. What else? Did you see anything interesting that came out of there? Um, they had some Mercedes things. I haven't really gone into it that much. I just, yeah, I just I noticed know, that half the things don't come over here. I know. You know? So I it's know. like, I've never understood. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, what, you're not going to tell us about what? the new Seat or the Peugeot 904-329, uh, the 90210. 
<laughs> yeah, the new Skodas. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I, I just, it doesn't make sense. I, I know. want things to make sense to us. Like, is it time for our weekly um, Tesla bashing? Oh, um, if, you, if you have any, please bash away. I always do. He is a never-ending fodder of fun things to talk about. But this is this has to do with the Cybertruck. I know you have seen on social media. I have seen it. And a lot of people have seen it. Where people are showing the Cybertrucks on trucks. You know, on transport trucks being right. delivered and sent out. And the bottom line is, though, that nobody knows where these vehicles are going. Uh-huh. People, he said that he hoped to hand over the first trucks at, at an event in late September. But they haven't been told. The people who put down a $100 deposit have no idea where their cars are. They don't know any specs on it. They don't know the range. They don't know the horsepower. They don't know the 0 to 60 miles per hour time. They don't know the price. They don't know anything. They don't know bupkis. They don't know bupkis is right. (laughs) So people are starting to get a little concerned because they've seen them on the road coming to the dealers and they've seen them. Everybody's talking about them, but there's no information on them. So I, again, how does Elon Musk run this company? It's the most bizarre way of, of doing things. I will never understand it. And still people flock and throw money at him. Yeah. So, well, I, I don't, there's got to be some kind of, I just don't know. I don't know. You know, explain it to me. Well, I can't because I will finally, and maybe I shouldn't be, this could be a little tiny bit of a premature situation, but I will just do it for the sake of humility. I will admit I was completely wrong about this. Do you believe I even said what? that? Yeah. No. What are you wrong about? Because I said there was no way in hell that that thing he showed us about three or four years ago was ever going to be made. That was just a remember when uh, Jay Mays from Ford Motor Company showed at an auto show. This is going back 20 or 25 years. These boxes that had wheels, they were just like a box. And, And he says, this is not the car. This is a representation of the car. The (laughs) inside of the box is the technology that is the story that we're going to talk about today. And and everybody was looking at these stupid-looking boxes on wheels, and we're like, what the hell is that? So I thought that Elon Musk was just showing us these stupid-looking trucks that nobody would ever buy in their right mind if they did make one. Yes, hate me. Go ahead. I hate you right back. If you... Stupid enough to buy one of those stupid you know, looking trucks. Anyway, said there's a sucker born every minute. But that is and, the uh, stupidest looking truck I've ever seen in my life. So I said, you know, there's no yeah. way they'll build that. And here they are building these stupid things. But what is the purpose of it? Is just to say you have this cool Tesla truck because anybody that owns an F one fifty or a Ram. Or, you know, a Silverado, they understand that a truck is a work vehicle. Right. You need it. You beat up, you, you know, you throw things in the back. Not anymore. People, you get dirty. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't even know if this truck is capable of that. So, yeah, no. How is he going to deal with this? I, I, I'm sorry. This has been, this I know. Has been the show of stumping me. I, I know. No, I got it, BJ. So. Here, here is the slogan Uh-oh. Elon, I love you for a lot of reasons, but I think you're kind of dumb sometimes, and this one is one of them. The slogan for the new truck from uh, Tesla? Yeah. The truck for people that don't need a truck. (laughs) All right, BJ, thank you. Thanks, (laughs) Alan. We'll be back with more. This is The Drive. I know I hate you, too. We'll be right back.
Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. All right, it's time for George Kennedy III. He is the co-founder of Cartender.com, vice president of the New England Motor Press Association, contributor to U.S. News and World Report, car gurus, Forbes, Wheels, and right here on The Drive, where I think he's actually driving down the road. Are you driving somewhere right now, George? I am at the cell phone lot. Outside the airport, waiting to pick up a couple of friends. Uh, I love it. We're going on a couple, couple days sailing. That's awesome. Good for you. Hey, by the way, I want you to know, as soon as I'm done with the the, uh, the show here, I am hooking onto my boat, and I am dragging it down to the ocean, and I am going to go tuna fishing. Yes. I'm doing it. Right on, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yep. we, we don't have a lot of room on the sailboat for fishing lines, but uh, this time of year, we can see them, you know, right as day, uh, just looking off the back of the boat. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, we're on different coasts, but I will tell you that I've been, been jonesing to go tuna fishing for a long time. i got to go like 50 miles out. So if you don't ever hear from me again, God bless America. I love my family. Good talking to you because I sunk out well, there. That- <laughs> That is that is funny. One of the folks I'm picking up, he has uh, gotten really into sailing in the last couple of years and is participating in something called the Clipper Race starting this fall. It is a round-the-world sailing race. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. And so rookies start out with just doing one leg of it. So I think and by one leg, it's Sydney to Japan <laughs> to San Francisco. <laughs> That's one it's, leg? Oh, my gosh. And if uh, he doesn't die or the crew doesn't kill him first, they'll invite him back for more legs uh, in future years. Oh, my gosh. Think of that, man. I will tell you, you better have a lot of good books. You better have a lot of good talks with God. You better bring uh, a lot of videos and music to play because there are a lot of boring hours out in the middle of the ocean because my dad used to take us sailing when I was a kid. And I remember going, this is the worst thing in my life, <laughs> you know, as a little kid. Well, it, see, it, it sounds like it's so demanding that there are people who are shift on and shift off. So when you're on, you are keeping watch, you're right. doing all sorts right. of yeah. prep work, you're a cook. And the second you're done with that, you are sleeping. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. But when you're on the ocean, eyes up. You know, you got to be ready all the time. Okay, so speaking of eyes up, what are we talking about today here on the show? 
So I'm driving the 2024 Acura Integra Type S, a car that I've been really looking forward to. Ooh. Okay. Integra. Is this the return of the Integra? It is. It's been like 20 years, right, since the Integra's been around. Back then it was offered as a coupe or a sedan. And today the Integra, I think automakers are trying to simplify their lineups and give something that one product that, that can appease everybody this essentially looks like a four-door coupe. It's, oh. it's a sedan, but it's got that sort of hatchback slash fastback body style, similar to an Audi A7. Hmm. You know, I actually like those because they make really good. I'm not talking about the Integra S because I've never even seen it. But when you're talking about that um, slope back or hatchback, but with they make a lot of room in there, you know? I mean, and I'm, I'm a guy, I got to have my junk in my trunk. You know what I mean? I kind of like that. The, yeah, especially, yeah. And, well, and here's the thing, too, is I love coupes. You know, I prefer a sports car. I love two-door SUVs are, like, my favorite thing. But I cannot deny the added versatility and probably marketability, if you're the automakers, of offering, instead of saying, well, we've got a, a coupe and a, a sedan, now you got to tool up two different production lines. Well, we're going to make this sedan that looks kind of like a coupe, and that should be enough for everybody to be happy. All right, two questions. What year, 2023 or four? 2024. Wow, okay. 24s are already being tested. Look at that. Okay, yeah. second yeah. thing is you are six foot three. I am five foot fat. I'm, I'm 5'11". I have a, 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 a kind of a... Well, I guess I'm just going to admit it. I have a big dent in the side of my head from whacking my head on these low roof lines. Does this have a low roof line with that coupe, or are you able to get in there without, like, cranking your head sideways? I mean, any uh, any sedan, any lower car, I kind of have to do a little bit of a, a maneuver, a nice little elegant uh, ingress, egress, <laughs> if you will. Right. Uh, but it's still a Honda at the end of the day, and, you know, Acura and Honda – they make very practical vehicles. So while it's got the, the coupe-like profile, I've got plenty of headroom. I'm sitting more upright, which is what I prefer for cars that I'm going to be sort of driving engagingly and that has a manual transmission, Ooh. which it does. Ooh. I like to sit up a little bit more upright so I have better sort of purchase on the steering wheel, if you will. And uh, I've got plenty of room. I'm, you know, I'm sitting in it right now and got plenty of headroom got plenty of leg room it's a pretty spacious car i am surprised i gotta tell you when you told me this car 2024 acura integra type s has a manual transmission i give massive kudos to honda and acura for not falling prey to laziness in the car world because truthfully young people should learn how to drive with a manual transmission because there is a certain connectivity to the vehicle that you do not get with an automatic transmission. You just, it's not the same experience. And then the problem is you can never steal a car that has a manual transmission if you don't learn how to drive one. So it really wrecks the opportunity to go out and be a thief later on in life. Don't go anywhere, George. George Kennedy's got two cars to talk about today. The uh, Acura Integra Type S, this is the return of this vehicle. And the Ford Bronco Raptor, which I really want to get his opinion on. This is The Drive. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more.
The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Ah, you gotta love Santana. Smooth. Smooth, that's what this is called. George Kennedy, he's very smooth, shifting that manual transmission in the Acura Integra Type S. 2024 Acura Integra Type S. Um, George, I'm curious, how much is the Acura Integra Type S? Because I know... Are they making anything other than a Type S? Because this is the top of the line. So what is the ticket on this one? So just like the the original Integra, where, you know, us kids from the 90s, we would fawn over the Integra. But really, that was one high-end model that was very performance-oriented of an otherwise luxury-focused lineup. And the Integra as it is, which has 1.5-liter engine with 200 horsepower, that starts at $31,500 with the CVT front-wheel drive. Our Type S manual costs $50,000, oh. $50,800. Wow. I mean, by the times, man, 2023, 50 grand is not bad for a performance luxury car with a manual transmission. All right, hold on. So what I did was I pulled a number out of my psyche I wrote forty-two thousand uh-huh. dollars, and I circled it. So, well, so remember that Honda and Acura is having a moment with these performance cars, and that if you're if you want the drivability and you don't want to pay as much, there's the Honda Civic Si, there's the Honda Civic Type R. Remember, these cars share a platform, so you're going to have a lot of the same mm. uh, space, same usability. And frankly, the Hondas are getting so nice that there's not that much of a delta in actual quality of, of the interior and fit and finish between the Honda and the Acura. Right. Well, to that, I'll bet you could spend $42,000 for the high-end Honda Civic. I don't know. But if the, oh, probably. If the probably. Integra the, Type the S... Yeah. Yeah, is 50, you know. Wow. But here's the problem. The problem is that 50 is probably a good deal because we are living in a time of inflation and, you know, the, the devaluation of the dollar and all that. You know, it's just, I, I, I'm, I see, that's my problem is I'm getting old. And I remember when you could buy a candy bar for a quarter. And today I go in and I see a candy bar in, well, in the convenience stores where it's conveniently right in front of your, you know, your face it's a dollar eighty nine and sometimes two twenty nine for a candy bar that when I was a little boy I spent a quarter on. So ten times the amount of money. Ten times. So let's do that. What's that would be five grand. So when I was younger, I bought a brand new so my very first brand new car, George, was a nineteen yeah. so and I bought a lot of used cars up to this point, but when I was 21, during my 21st year, I wanted to buy a new car, finally. And I was, 
I work my tail off buying and selling and fixing and doing stuff. And I will tell you that I'm kind of proud to say that I bought a 2000, no, a 2000, how do you like that? A 1982, this was 41 years ago, a 1982 Honda Accord LX hatchback. That was my very first car. It was $79.99. So it's not really well, 10 I, times. I remember, it's, Alan, just remember the cars also, they're not in a vacuum either, which is just this inflation vacuum. It's added capabilities, added safety. Oh, yeah. Added you know, all these other things that it's, it's two axes. I suppose, of growth, right. right? And so you factor in the fact that these cars are getting much better. And also automakers are sort of, like, look, if you want to find a car that is on balance, the same feature set and horsepower and lack of safety as that old Accord, then you're probably going to have to go to a third world country <laughs> and find out whatever, like, uh, you know, their, you know, the uh, hot yeah, whatever, right. you know, sedan and compare numbers that way. Yeah, no, right? no, 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 no. I, I look at, I totally get it. It's just so weird for me. I'm sitting here. It's like, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling sad to how little the dollar is worth these days. All right. Let me ask you two more questions on this. How do you like this car? Yeah. You're sitting in it, driving it. How do you like it overall? I mean, are you just really loving on it? It's a great, well-rounded car. It's really engaging to drive, but not harsh. It's got a little bit of that kind of burble and snap and pop from the exhaust. The shifter is super, super smooth. Mm. The only thing I will say is that the clutch, the engagement point for the clutch is a little bit higher than I would like. For a a Type S or a a performance-focused variant, I would like that clutch engagement point to be closer to the floor. Mm. Okay. Well, now, if you think about that, though, George, being a kind of a racer boy like you, when you're banging through the shifts, you're doing it so fast, they must have made it to where you don't have to get it all the way to the floor to, uh, you know, to have it do its job, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah, it, sure. There's that too. So, yeah. Yep. It's got a rev matching down feature. So when you, when you shift down, yeah. you no longer have to do the little heel toe right. blip of the throttle to, to get that. But that's a nice little feature. All in all, it's just, uh, it makes driving fast and fun very easy and very approachable, which I think is great. Yeah. So the overall $50,000 car, when you get out of it and you walk away and you turn back and look, do you feel like you're looking at a car of that, of that kind of money? Just curious. I do just from the standpoint of the performance that's in here, okay. the quality of the interior, the features that are in here because thank goodness Honda is getting away from the little remote touch pad and it's a straight up touch screen. There's a really nice aesthetic in here and Acura has totally nailed it from a styling standpoint. They're okay. the style of their vehicles. Absolutely fantastic right now. All right. Last question. And then we're going to take a break, come back, talk about that Raptor, the Raptor uh, Bronco. Has anybody seen you and went, wait a minute, that says Integra. <laughs> no, no, they have not. No. <laughs> so it's right now, it's stealth. People go, what is that? What is that? It's going to take another guy your age yep. from the 90s that can go, the Integra is back. Yeah, baby. All right, George, don't go anywhere. Uh, you can find George. Uh, 
He's all over the place. Uh, Twitter, car gurus. Uh, so at Boston Cars, U.S. News. Uh, just go look for him. George Kennedy the Third. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And George Kennedy is joining us. George Kennedy III, the man is out there. He's a freelance automotive journalist, so he works for a lot of the different major news organizations. He's also the vice president of the New England Motor Press Association. He is... uh, He's a sharp-dressed man. He is, yes, he's six foot three, which is funny because that matches his weight. He's 360 pounds. So, George, because you're such a big guy. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm training for half marathon. That number is going down, but we'll be under 1,000 by, uh, by next week. All right? Okay. <laughs> by the way, you know, it's like uh, I always joke with George. I don't even know how much he weighs, but he's up there, I'm sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> George. Ford Bronco in the Raptor, the wolf's clothing, you might say. Uh, give us a little five minutes on that. Yeah, so the, the Ford Bronco Raptor, and uh, the Raptor name previously associated with the, the sort of a high-end, desert, high-speed version of the Ford F-150. And when the Bronco came out, if those who pay attention to Ford performance vehicles, especially the 4x4s and trucks, knew that this was almost inevitable. There was the Badlands, the Outer Banks, these really great beefed-up off-road versions of the Bronco, and then now comes out the Bronco Raptor. So 410 horsepower from the twin-turbocharged EcoBoost V6, you know, unique Fox high-bypass shocks, uh, 37-inch mud-terrain tires or all-terrain tires, and just bigger fenders. It's just, it's just bigger everything everywhere and bigger price tag by a long shot oh that's a fact it starts at 89 grand good luck getting one for the right i'm sorry go for well here's the thing compare it to say the wrangler rubicon 392 yeah which starts at i think 80 something yeah and that's got a, a hemi in it right right but with both vehicles Good luck finding one for sticker. I mean, I'm seeing the Bronco Raptor list at local dealers for 105, 113 Ooh. grand. So 
you know, maybe don't be the first one on the block to try and get one. Well, it boils down to that thing. How much you want one is directly proportionate to the thickness of your wallet. Uh, you know, um, if you've got money, if you have to ask how much, you probably can't afford it because I wonder if people buy these things and any of them. I mean, it's look. I look at the demons because I own the first generation Dodge Demon and I ended up selling it at auction and it was a year and a half old. And I just thought to myself, all right, I have kind of a year and a half threshold for cars. The longest I've kept anything is something that doesn't run that's out in my field right now. But it's usually about a year and a half. I did keep my Viper for three years. But I will tell you that I the only reason why I sold it is because I hit my threshold of a year and a half. And it was I was kind of done. So I wonder if there is kind of a buyer's remorse on some of these super marked up vehicles. I think there has to be, because at a certain point, you know... My brother works in uh, investment banking, and he used to have a a boss manager who's very well compensated, and he bought a Porsche 911 GT2 RS, right? That's, what, 290 grand or something like that? And he drove it for three years, and he sold it for almost the same price. Now, that's different. Yeah. And because of the high demand, which this is one of those vehicles, and... It's almost like, yeah, you get to have fun for those years. You follow the market on it, and then you, you sell it when the going is good. You know, I would say, too, what brings the market up, too, is that, you know, the aftermarket of vintage vehicles that have been souped up and, and custom vehicles has almost raised the bar to where the, now the automakers go, well, we want a vehicle that's that fast, that's that powerful, as some custom SEMA build, but also has a factory-backed warranty. Right. And people want to will pay a premium for that sort of peace of mind of, I've got this really cool, unique thing that I don't have to worry about every time I go to leave the garage, whether I'm going to get home or not. Well, it's a very, very big gamble. It's a little mini Las Vegas slot machine. Do you think you can? You know what I mean? It's like, do you think you can pick a vehicle? Is it the Raptor Bronco that is going to hold its value for two or three years? Is it, you know, my Jeep gladiator diesel because they're kind of uh you know they're they're kind of hard to find is it the the, novelty yeah so but do you think you can afford to spend the extra bucks and are you willing to just live with it if you get stuck with it so i don't know it's kind of a a, it's kind of a fun game right the tough part about the tough part about dealer markups is that they've almost gutted the speculation i know secondary market i know that, that first owner needs to be made whole. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, George Kennedy, thank you. Uh, say hello to your friends. Thank you for calling in from the uh, cell phone lot at the airport. Uh, <laughs> we got another hour to go, and we're going to do a whole hour with the guys from Auto Trader. This is The Drive. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged Crosstrek Wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated.
exclusive interviews, real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, we have here what we're going to call the Auto Trader Hour. Yes. Brian Moody's here. Yes, 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 yes. Executive editor at Auto Trader and Kelly Blue Book, KBB.com, autotrader.com. We have so much to talk about, but I want to start with because there's been hurricanes. Someone over and rub my feet one more time. That's what I really want. How about if they rub your lips? Because you're going to be talking a lot. (laughs) There you go. No, that sounds weird. (laughs) I'll just picture that for a minute. Anyway. tells me why my wife won't allow that. That's what I'm guessing. (laughs) What about hurricanes? He's probably okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A friend of mine calls. So my brother just bought a house in Florida. Yeah. I have a friend in South Carolina. And my brother says, hey, you better call Tom and tell Tom, you know, it's a uh, hurricane's coming. I go, you think he's living in South Carolina? He doesn't know that a hurricane is on its way or already there on top of him, you know? So the question is, right. and I know that you guys have got some study or something going on with this. What is there to do when it comes to preparedness for your cars and things like that? What have you guys found, Brian? Well, there's some common sense things, and then there's some things that maybe the average person wouldn't have thought of. So, you know, obviously there's going to be flooding, or there could be flooding, I guess is a better way to say it. There may be no power for a while. So here's a few things that you can do to keep your car safe. Because remember, here's the thing. Lately, I've heard a lot of reporters asking this Hey, what happens when an electric car gets flooded by salt water? Oh! Same thing that happens to any car. It's ruined. I mean, it's over. <laughs> right. Like there, there's not, it's not just electric cars. Any car that's submerged in water, salt water, fresh water, like that car's done. Yeah. It's not going to be rebuilt. Now they might try, but you can only use it for parts at that point. It's over, basically. Right. Um, right. So if you find a car that is a too good of a price to be believed and it's in a flood area recently after and some of the electronics don't work and it's for a super low price be suspicious yeah but before you even get there here are some things that you can do to help protect your car to begin with first is an obvious one don't drive into floods like you don't know how deep it is just don't do it there's no way that you can know how deep the water is unless it happens to be something that's like your property and you drove on that street on and on For the most part, don't drive into floods. Well before the storm, fuel your car all the way up or charge your EV all the way up. That's harder to do with an electric car because it takes longer to charge. Gassing your car up before a hurricane takes five minutes, and maybe if there's a long line, it will take 35 minutes. But make sure that your vehicle is fully fueled no matter what the fuel is. So that's something that you can do so you can use it to evacuate if you need to. Another thing is that people don't think of is, yeah, it might flood, but also park inside. Because even if there is some flooding in your garage, your garage is going to keep the car safe from flying debris. Mm. And that can ruin the car just as badly as floodwaters. Right. And if you're one of those people that has your garage packed full of junk so that your car has to park outside, boy, I hope your junk is worth 50 grand because that's what you're sacrificing. Mm. So right. I hope all those old pictures and... <laughs> Doll chairs are worth 50 grand because that's the choice you're making. Yeah. Another thing you can do is park your car or get to higher ground. Like the flooding is going to be in the low areas. Yes, there's issues with cars 
flooding, yes, it can be dangerous, but you can move your car to a higher place, and that might protect it. Well, you know, it's funny. I used to own a wrecking yard many, many years ago. Loved it. It was a great business. In 1992, there was Hurricane Aniki in Hawaii, and I got a, a phone call from State Farm Insurance, and they said, hey, how'd you like to go to Hawaii? I'm like, huh? You don't get these kind of phone calls very often. And I said, why? What do you got going on? Is there some sort of a special going on? He says, well, you know, they had the hurricane over there a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, there was really high winds. These are all to your point, by the way, about keeping your car in the garage. He says, really high winds. And he says, and all the car lots that had used cars that were on high ground that didn't have a problem with water, they all had sand flying through the air and got sandblasted. So the glass was all sandblasted. The paint was sandblasted. The Uh chrome at that time was all sandblasted. So it wasn't only used cars. It was all the new cars. So Mm -hmm. they invited me. They said, we'll pay your way. We just, you know, we have so many cars. We don't know what to do. And I, so I took them up on it. I went there and I bought all kinds of cars and it was hilarious. I bought sandblasted cars. So to Brian's point, Get the junk out of your garage if you've got a hurricane coming. Get your car in there because maybe the water comes up and goes up, you know, four or five inches in your garage. But your car will make it through it if it doesn't get beat to death by the windstorm that goes along with the the rest of it. Uh, Hang tight. Brian Moody with us. Autotrader.com will continue this preparedness for hurricanes. Be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive All Across America today because we've been watching a lot of hurricanes and bad weather uh, on the eastern seaboard anyway. And even, you know, some ugly stuff we don't want to talk about that happened over in the Hawaiian Islands. Good God. Uh, But what do you do to be prepared for this kind of insanity? Brian Moody is here to talk about it. And he made a joke about my uh, being over in Hawaii for the Hurricane Aniki back, by the way, 31 years ago, 1992, and Brian says, you should have walked around and said, all this will buff out. These cars, Brian, they were sandblasted. The paint was down to the metal on some of them that were closer to the the ocean where the sand would just whip around and you'd see what, what we would call in the Midwest maybe dust devils well these sand devils were just sandblasting the cars but mm-hmm. anyway this is all good information is there a place at autotrader.com they can find it is that where this is yes okay. yes 
You can go to autotrader.com car-tips. Okay, good. And there's lots of information like that. Okay, what else? Well, not related to hurricanes, but related to you being old, we have automotive <laughs> anniversary. Thanks! Okay. It's, 20, it's 2023. <laughs> nice. So I think you'll be surprised at some of these. By the way, this comes from autotrader.com slash oversteer. Okay. That's kind of our enthusiast page. Yep. There's lots of cool stories there. Yeah. This one's written by Allison Harwood. She does a great job. Oh, yeah. She's very knowledgeable. Yep. So here's a few anniversaries just to, you know, amuse yourself. 20th anniversary of the Bentley Continental GT. So oh, wow. the Bentley Continental GT is 20 years old. Oh, that's something. Amazing. Uh, the Audi TT, 25th anniversary of that car. Wow. <laughs> now I am feeling old. <laughs> and here's a few that are 40 years old. Uh -oh. The 40th anniversary of, and you stop me when you think one is of particular note, 40th anniversary of the Honda Civic CRX. Oh, my. Jeep Cherokee. <sighs> <laughs> Land Rover Defender and the minivan. Oh wow! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Eighty four because we're in you know, eighty three. It would have come out. I made a terrible prediction. Yeah, I thought the minivans in high school when the minivans came out. This girl came over and she had a rented one and she was like, "Hey, can you help me move some stuff?" And I was like, "Yeah." My prediction was those minivans wouldn't go anywhere. I was like, "This is ugly. It's <laughs> stupid. It's boxy. No one will ever buy these." <laughs> Well, that was the beginning and the end of my automotive prediction career. <laughs> wow. So the minivan is 40 years old. I That's know, right? That's so funny. That is so funny. I, I got to tell you, though. 50 years old. Oh, no. Go. I, now you, I say you really made me feel old with those. This one's going to like, I might have a little, oh, you know. This is better. This is even better. 50 years old Volkswagen Passat. Thank you very much. Oh, Two drink minimum. You've got to be kidding. Wow. Right. So what year did it in come the US, out then? It was called other things. It was called the Volkswagen Quantum. Oh, right. And right, other right, things. Right. But the Passat went on sale in Europe in 73, and it was sold as a oh, two-door, a four-door, right. a three- or five-door hatchback. Oh, my gosh. The Passat name didn't come to the U.S. until 1990 as the third generation of that car. But the origins of the Volkswagen Passat that we all know and love started 50 years ago in Europe. That is a bit of an eye-opener. I will tell you, and you're going to laugh, because I just realized that I own a Volkswagen Quantum. <laughs> yes. That was kind of a Passat. Right? At the time. I own, the I, I own yeah. a, a Quantum Wagon, because we, nice. my dad had a ranch. My dad passed away a couple years ago, and I was over on the ranch the other day, and I was looking around, and I... I see these taillights over behind what we have is a sawmill. You know, it's a big ranch out there and up in Oregon. And, and I looked and I said to the guy, I go, what's that over there? And he goes, oh, I don't know. It's been there for years. And we walked around the corner and I go, oh, a quantum. Now, I don't know what year it is. It's probably a 78 wow. maybe. So 45 yeah. years or so. But I own a quantum. <laughs> How bizarre. Talk about bizarre, right? Oh, my gosh. That's How too about much. a 60th anniversary? You ready for this one? Yeah. 60th anniversary of Honda making automobiles. Honda wow. had already begun making motorcycles in the 40s, but by 63, they had begun making a mini truck, a K truck wow. in Japan. Wow. 60th anniversary of Honda's first automobile. That's awesome. Hey, do me a favor. Tell Allison Harwood I said hello. We worked together at Motor Trend many moons ago. 
All right, this yeah, is also very talented, very smart. Yes, she is. At Overdrive, uh, Oversteer, sorry, at uh, autotrader.com. You can find it there. More with Brian Moody right after this. Stay with us. We all on us from London back down to the U.S. We rocking this contains monkey business. I raise Just confess your girl. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now, Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full-throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475-horsepower Durango SRT392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. I am Alan Taylor and uh, Brian Moody joining us. Uh, you got one more, I understand, Brian, uh, from the anniversaries. Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I mean, I thought we got to 60 years. Uh, what could it be? Uh, so, yes, yeah, 60 years was the Honda's first car. Also, Lamborghini began building cars in 60 years ago. There's a 70th anniversary this year. And it's an American car. Oh. What goes back 70 years? Hmm. I was going to say the Nova, which means no go, because you said what goes back. That, that just doesn't go. Nova, no go. Nova, no. That's not it. I'm trying to make a joke. It didn't work. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. What do you uh, got? Think New Balance sneakers. Oh, my. I, still, no clue. Could it be the Chevrolet Corvette? Oh, gosh. You're kidding me. Wow. wow. 70 years ago, in 1953, Chevrolet built its first fiberglass body, two-door, two-seater, powered by a 3.9-liter inline six-cylinder engine with a two-speed automatic. Hall's Only butt. 300 were made that year. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, two-speed with a six-cylinder. But you know what? Different world, different time, and uh, what awesome machines those are today when you look at it. It was a sports car. I think there's still a place for, you know, moderate power and lightweight. Uh, Fiat Spider is a car like that. Mazda yeah. Miata is a car like that. At the time, remember, they were sort of copying European sports cars. Right. And it probably was a pretty fun car to drive at the time. Today, I mean, obviously, the power and... You know, is in the 700s and the eight-cylinder engines and all sure, that kind of sure. stuff. I'm a fan of the C7, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Really? I mean, is yeah, there a particular like that one that you just you just like the look of it or something about it or what? I like the Grand Sport. If I was going to buy one for myself, I'd probably get like a C6. So, which is even one generation before. So, we're at C8 right now, which is yeah, now, even before that. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. now it's a, well, what they but call mid-engine. Unfortunately... But you can find those cars, but there's too many buyers holding on to them. And, you know, they know what they have. Yeah. Or so they say. Well, so it's they're funny. not going to let it go. For, and you're like, yeah, well. You talked about Corvette, 70th anniversary of the Corvette. And you said sports car. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, because our perception gets so blown out of proportion these days of what a sports car is with, you know, vehicles that have six, seven, eight hundred horsepower kind of regularly now. Right. Um, internal combustion at right. that. When you had a, a, a sports car back in the 50s, 
it was a sporty car. And there wasn't much, you know, yeah. there wasn't the, the kind of uh, extreme sports we have today with automobiles. I had, I want to tell you, going back 40 years, a 1964 mm-hmm. Corvair convertible that I thought was a sports car. Oh, that's cool. You know, it was red with a white top and I had a white tonneau cover for the top when it was down. And I have a picture of it. And my wife and I did a rally. Now, a rally to me today means go as fast as you can. But the reality is it's a timed event and it's really to try and um, be as accurate as you can be by going the speed limits and doing these things. So I was, I, even back then I was trying to haul butt, you know, as fast as I could to try and beat everybody. Yeah. And for some reason I just didn't get it, <laughs> you know, and, but, but I look back at that car and it still reminds me of a sport car, sporty car, but you know, I mean, it was a Corvair, for goodness sakes. Are you saying every rally that you participated in was not like the Cannonball Run? No. I, well, it was for me. It's just that I never won one because, <laughs> because I was, I'm, I made it you're, first. You're early. <laughs> yeah, I was way early, you know. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. All right, any other anniversaries? I mean, it's the 70th anniversary of Porsche, isn't it? The brand. So I'm trying to think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good one. Yes, I it guess. is. Yes. That's true. Yep. So I guess it would be the 356. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a Porsche guy. But I and know. It's the 90th anniversary of Nissan. Really? Wow. I didn't realize Nissan was that yep. old. Yep. There were lots of companies before that, but they came to America with the Datsun Bluebird in 1958 at the Los Angeles Imported Car Show. The Bluebird. Oh, my gosh. I remember when I was in high school, my friend had a 1976 Datsun pickup, yellow, banana yellow. And uh, we affectionately called it his Datsarati. (laughs) It's like the way he drove it. Well, it was just, you want to take my car or you want to take the Datsarati? You know, I was like, oh, no, we're going to take the Datsarati. Which is so funny because here we are 45 years later, he and I, and we're still buddies and we still talk about the Datsarati as if it was some kind of a fast car. But as you know, nice. it probably had 90 horsepower or something ridiculous. All right. So is there a place, again, we go back to autotrader.com slash oversteer. Yeah. Is this in the slash oversteer? Gotcha. There yeah. we go. That's the place. And all of these stories that we're talking about, these more fun stories, the anniversary stuff. That's what you'll find on autotrader.com slash oversteer. It's for enthusiasts. So that's what the point of it is. It has fun stuff. It has automotive anniversaries. It has opinion pieces. It has stuff on the Mini Cooper S Clubman, the Mustang GTD, you know, those types of vehicles, Benzes, Acuras, Daily Driver, Porsches, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I should write a story on the Datsarati. Um, you should. It, it wouldn't be much of a story other than the uh, antics that we got into. How we ran from the cops. Luckily, we never got cop caught by the cops. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be still in jail for that particular thing. Oh, we do not talk about that. We'll be right back. Cops are after me. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors. 
every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Subaru. Go where love takes you. Subaru. Ryan Moody is joining us. It's the uh, Auto Trader Hour right now. We're talking about all kinds of fun stuff from whether it be the enthusiast side of Auto Trader at Oversteer. Uh, so autotrader.com slash oversteer or just studies yes, that sir. they've been doing and. uh we uh, we have a lot of fun, you and I, talking about all these crazy, wacky things. Car guys and car gals love little tidbits of information like the anniversaries thing and how to, uh-huh. you know, things you can do for a hurricane and stuff we've already talked about and my old Corvair and the Datsarati. But you said you have some stuff about Ford and the Maverick. What's going on there? A little more practical. Listen, if you want to wax nostalgic about my 64 Skylark, um, we could go on all day, but not everyone, maybe no one's, maybe not everyone's in the market for that. Uh, however, here are some practical things. If you're interested in buying a Ford Maverick or you have a Ford Maverick, basically the company has not been able to keep up with demand for the three years of production that's been out. And some buyers have been waiting quite some time. Mm. So you know- if you're one of those people, you might want to look into discounts of $1,750 off the gas-powered version or the $2,700 off the EcoBoost hybrid if you ordered a 2022 and has been delayed into 2023. You should at least ask about that. That's pretty serious money. Ford realizes that people have been waiting a long time. It's been a popular truck. There are alternatives. The Hyundai Santa Cruz is, in the, is a good example, but I think Ford is trying to, you know, help the people out who that's, I mean, listen, their success hinges on these people buying these yeah. cars and the Maverick has been a hit. It's yeah. a compact truck. It's offered as a hybrid. The base version is a hybrid. Right. It's not expensive. It's a hole in the market kind of. But at the same time, if you are one of the people that ordered one in 2022 and your Maverick has been delayed into 2023, check into the discounts that you might get by getting a 2024, and uh, that could be money in your pocket. Mm. Well, what's interesting about this is when this vehicle came out, at first I kind of wrinkled my nose a little bit like, "Eh, it's a car-based truck. Nothing wrong with that. I remember going, well, all they did was basically make what maybe way back when, if you're talking about a 40-year anniversary, might be 
the Subaru Brat, right? Or a Ranchero. Or yeah, but even before that, yeah, right. Well, there you go, a Ranchero, a car that has a pickup bed. We was thinking mm-hmm. the Subaru Brat mm-hmm. of forty. Actually, I think they came out in like seventy-eight or nine, so more than forty. But anyway, yeah. the point is that uh, when I got a tester for one of these, I got a car to drive for a week, and it was the Maverick. And I said to my wife, I said, uh, mm-hmm. she goes, can you go get some chicken food? We got 10 chickens, fresh eggs, delicious. Anyway, she goes, can you go get some chicken food? I go, just take the little Maverick down there and get some chicken food. They'll load it for you. A couple of bags of chicken food. She goes, okay. I go, and let me know what you think of that car. So my wife takes it. She has a Nissan Rogue, which she loves, a 2001 Nissan Rogue. So she takes a little truck down there and she comes back and she goes, I really like this. Now, to your point, Brian, the Maverick comes as the entry level as a hybrid. This one was that entry level. Yeah. So it was really kind of a basic little vehicle, but it was a hybrid. And she goes, I love this vehicle. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're in love with your Nissan Rogue. And she goes, I know, but you know, we have chickens and we have this and we have that. And I love the bed and I love that it's still got full back seat and I can put the car seats for the grandkids in the back and She's going through all this stuff. My wife does not care about cars at all. She literally fell in love with this car. I think we're seeing that a lot of people have fallen in love with this car because if they can't keep up with supply and demand, Ford has a hit on their hands. Now, just like you hear even on Shark Tank, sometimes these people are on Shark Tank with their new products and they get completely oversold where they get 10,000 orders, right? And they can't supply the yeah. supply, you know, for vehicles, and and that's what's going on right now. Right. This discount is honorable, but I still think I would be really bummed out if I was that person. Here's my question to you: What would you do? Would you take the let's just say couple of grand and go for a twenty four and continue the wait, or would you say nope? I've been waiting long enough. I think they should give them a discount either way. I mean, I imagine they probably will. But what would you do? Would you I, personally? I'd go for the 24. What would you do? I'd probably wait and take the 24 because it's such a good truck. Now, there is reports that competition is coming. Right now, the Hyundai Santa Cruz is really the only competition, so I guess you could go get one of those. There may be a Chevrolet electric mini truck that would be a Maverick rival, and there's rumors that Ram may be reviving, or this would be Dodge, the Rampage name. Remember that thing from back in the 80s? Oh, the, yeah. the little car-based pickup. So right, right. competition is coming, but not for a while. I'd take the Maverick 2024 Maverick because it's such a good truck. It does everything that the average American needs for a truck to do. Mm. I'm not talking about contractors or roofers or any of that, but the average person who goes to Home Depot, who goes and gets chicken feed, who wants to bring homes you know, uh, a couple of car parts from the junkyard. It, it does all that stuff. Right. So I would just wait for the Ford. And oh, by the way, count. you said chicken feed as if there was something wrong with it, like chicken food. <laughs> What's wrong with you, huh? You got no chickens in your backyard. It's the perfect, it's the perfect <laughs> use for that kind of thing. You You're know, right. like you even big, you uh, buy dog food in bulk, that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. No, listen, I have a Jeep Rubicon, but it's the Gladiator. And the bed of the Gladiator is not any bigger, I don't think, than that of the um, the Maverick. It's a little itty-bitty bed. Yeah. But, and I got to tell you, yeah. I have towed many 
a vehicle at almost 7,000 pounds of towing capacity with my diesel Gladiator. Uh, the towing capacity, not so good with the, the uh, Renegade, but you're right. This will work for a lot of people, and that's why they're having that wonderful no, problem that uh, sometimes can be aggravating, but it's still a wonderful problem for them to have. Uh, Brian Moody joining us. If you are uh, in line to get a Maverick, check out those discounts available. You can find it at autotrader.com. There's more information. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged Crosstrek Wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. Boy, that's loud. Right in my ear. Uh, Brian Moody here. Oh, no, I'm not Brian Moody. I'm Alan Taylor. He's Brian Moody. Uh, sorry about that, Brian. I've always wanted to be you. <laughs> They're not booing. They're chanting, Moody, Moody. See, it sounds like booing, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so we were talking about the Maverick, by the way. I would say, just to put a, a little bow tie on that, I think it's very odd that mm -hmm. the entry level is a hybrid on that vehicle when it should cost a little more to get a hybrid, in my opinion, and somehow they make the non-hybrid version cost a little more. I don't get that, but anyway. Well, because the non-hybrid version has more power and is probably more, I don't know if this is the right word to say, but a little bit more capable, more of a serious truck. Well, maybe towing. Uh, has more power. Stuff. It's yeah. an EcoBoost. Right. Um, you know, but... Yeah. But you're right. The base version, which most people are going to use for, like, you know, to take your kayaks and to go on trips and go, it gets 42 miles per gallon in the city. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is. I mean, honestly, like I said, my wife loved it. All right. Now, there was a little controversy. I've talked about it on the show here before with uh, a guy that you and I both know, and, and we've known him for, I, I got to think you and I have both known the guy 20 years. His name is Jim Farley. He's the president and CEO of Ford Motor Company now, Yeah, which almost makes me laugh because he launched the Toyota Scion brand when he worked at Toyota. And yeah. I remember interviewing him when that thing came out and we were like, what is a Scion? And it was kind of funny. There he was. And he was a sales, not a sales guy, but a marketing guy, you might say, sales and marketing. Yeah. And he's worked his yeah. way all the way up. He's a real car guy, too. Yeah, he's all, a smart guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. All the way up to the president and CEO of Ford Motor Company. And the other day, he was taking a trip in Southern California out to, I think, Pebble Beach. And he had to wait to get his, his uh, he drove a Ford Lightning electric truck. And he pulled over to mm -hmm. get, not fuel, but electricity. And he waited 40 minutes to get, I think it was a 40% charge. And it was a bit of an eye-opener for him. He was like, okay, yeah. real-world situation. And um, right. so, yeah, electric vehicles. And that's why we talk about there needs to be more charging stations because there can't be as many charging stations as gas stations. There has to be way more. When you go to the gas station, it takes five minutes for the guy to fill his car up ahead of you. Right. And most of the time, there's no one ahead of you. But if there is someone ahead of you, you'll wait because you'll know even if there's two cars ahead of you, it's only going to be 10, 15 minutes at the most. 
With electric cars, that's not the case. If it's going to take you 40 minutes to get a, let's say, up to 75, 80% charge, that's 40 minutes for you to do it. That means you're going to be waiting for the guy ahead of you 40 minutes, and that's assuming that he only wants a 75% charge. Right. So it's really going to be a much, much longer way. I don't think people have range anxiety. I think it's time anxiety. I know the car will go as far as it says, but what am I going to do once it – I can charge it up anywhere. Most places have places to charge. But how long is that going to take? And related to that, there's a recent – J.D. Power study out that says that electric cars are growing in some states, but shrinking in others. So not everyone's on board. Some are, but some aren't. So I'm just trying to do the math here kind of in my head, and I'm really bad at math. I got bad grades in school, but here goes. I'm going to give it a try. I was thinking, what does it take to pull into a gas station? And, you know, gas stations these days, and if they're self-serve, which now even in Oregon and, and uh, other places, you know, where that used to be, you had to have mm-hmm. a full serve. You can now pump your own gas. I can get in there and in about five or six or seven minutes, I can fill my tank. Okay. Full tank of fuel. Yeah. So if you go, okay, well, full tank gets me my vehicle like 300, 400 miles. Okay. But if it takes three times that long, that's 21 minutes, three times out of 21 minutes, how much of a charge are you going to get in 21 minutes? So no, not three times. Let's say six times as long, that's 42 minutes. So that's how long the president of Ford Motor Company waited to charge 40%. So technically, he may have had to have waited you know, 12 times, 10 times longer. Let's just say 10 times longer because at a certain point, maybe it speeds up. He would have gone from waiting seven minutes to get a fill up to, you know, maybe an hour and 10 minutes. And so that you're talking 10 customers that could not have gotten maybe 10 to 12 customers gasoline or diesel in the same amount of time. You're right. So you got to have 10 times the amount of charging stations, 10 times. Yes. And that's your time, and that's my time. Right. I feel the same way about some electric cars as I do about going to a government building. I don't feel like my time is being spent wisely. Right. But sometimes when you go, you're like, ah, you got to do it. But not only think about it, not only from your perspective or my perspective, what about the vendor who needs to make money? Like you just said, if you're the seller of the fuel, no matter what type of fuel it is, wouldn't you want to get 10 people through in an hour? as opposed to two people through in an hour, it just makes financial sense. You want to sell as many people like in a restaurant. You don't want people sitting there at the table all all night. You want to get them in and out so that you can make money on more dinners sold. Same with the fuel. You know what? This is where you just made a really, really good point that restaurants should somehow benefit from this because if restaurants made all of the parking spaces like the old drive-in movie theater where you would hang the speaker on your window, every one of them. It's like if restaurants all had these charging stations to where you pull in, you know you're going to be there 45 minutes to eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner, maybe an hour. Then you're now you're, you're kind of planning your life a little bit around filling up your tank and but guess what yeah you're okay you're not taking up a fueling station space you're just in a parking space eating dinner and dual purpose 
parking and so on and so on. All right, so um, I'm going to uh, create a consortium for that. Are you in? You want to make an investment? I'm in. Okay. Yeah. F- 500000 I'll put it in my personal account and hold it for you. All right. <laughs> we'll take another break. One last segment, a full hour with Auto Trader. How cool. Brian Moody will be right back with more here on The Drive. There's a shadow slipping through the door. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And we have the very moody, very, very moody Brian Moody. And that is his Twitter handle, at very moody. I think that's hilarious. From uh, autotrader.com. That came, you know where that came from? That where? came from a girl in high school that said, oh, I'm going to call you very. And I was like, I don't think it's that funny. <laughs> And she said, you just don't think it's funny because it's about you. And I was like, no, I just don't think it's that funny. And this person, like, she was usually very funny. I was like, ah, I didn't think it was that funny. But then as time went by, I was like, I'm going to use your idea. Yeah. Very moody. At Very Moody on Twitter, Instagram, autotrader.com, the website. Uh, no, actually, Instagram is autotrader underscore com. Yeah. And autotrader.com yeah. on the web. Okay. So we were talking about electric vehicles and California in particular. But some states have more people that are taking electric vehicles than others. Did you guys do a study or what do you you got there? Well, this is a J.D. Power study. And what what they found was that nationwide, 21% of buyers choose an EV when it's available. But when you divide that up by state, there's a big division between the top 10 states for EV adoption. For example, here's the state's that really opt for electric when they're able. California, Washington, Hawaii, Oregon, Nevada, Maryland, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, and Massachusetts all have seen EV adoption rates grow steadily. And that's climbing year over year. I think it's fair to say we've seen more electric cars sold this year than any other year before. However, some other states within the top EV buying regions are declining. And those states include Michigan, Iowa, Kansas, Arkansas, Mississippi, Wyoming, Louisiana, South Dakota, West Virginia, and North Dakota have all seen EV adoption rates decline. Now, keep in mind, some states and some counties have aggressive EV programs where there are incentives or rebates or discounts or preferential parking 
all that kind of stuff. Some have lots of chargers available at public buildings, some do not. Whether that's the determiner factor, we don't know for sure, but we're seeing it start to drop off in some places and increase in other places, and that probably will continue. So I heard what you said because I was listening for a change. And I believe, nice. <laughs> I believe <laughs> municipalities are the best purchasers of electric vehicles, period. Do you know why? And they probably should be. Yes, because they know exactly where they're going every day around a little town. Yeah. And if they need to go yeah. on a trip, maybe they take a hybrid instead of an electric vehicle. But most of them... Right. You know, dare I call them, and it's a bad thing to even say, meter maids. The people that, they used to call them meter maids. Isn't that funny? Now. The meter uh, readers. The meter readers, right. Because it, it, was it ever women? I don't know. I mean, just kind of a strange thing that they gave them that name. But the folks that do a certain job, that take a certain route, I totally get that. And at the end of the day, do you know where all these unsold electric vehicles are going to go to the municipalities of cities around the country? Yeah, because it makes perfect sense. Do you need, if you're going to have a car that's going to be idling, checking parking stalls, and maybe writing tickets for parking, do you need a Ford Crown Vic V8 police interceptor for that? (laughs) Idling all day? Exactly. No, you don't need that. Oh, man. Was there one in particular, did I miss it, that was the biggest take rate for electric vehicles? Well, California, for sure. California is for sure is. If you go out 12 years, California will have an EV adoption rate that will maybe will reach 90% or something like that. But on the opposite end, North Dakota is projected to have about 19% market share by 2035. So, and remember, this isn't all cars. This is just new cars sold. So there'll still be plenty of, listen, all this talk about no gasoline-powered cars, that's nonsense. The gasoline-powered cars that we have and are selling today are going to be with us for 10, 20, 30, maybe 40 years into the future. That's just reality. Well... Until they come up with the um, the vehicle from Back to the Future that you can pour beer and put old trash in and, right. you know, because I just don't think, and I think everybody else is kind of starting to uh, come to the same conclusion, that this is the answer. It is definitely not the, the silver bullet. It is not the answer. The question is, have we invented it yet? So I did a contract one time and I heard this term and I want to share it with people. Because at a certain point it said, you know, this you're licensing this, this, and this, and things not yet invented. And I still believe that is where we are in the world today. We're dealing with things that have yet not been invented yet. Brian Moody, thank you, brother. Yep. Brian Moody is from AutoTrader, AutoTrader.com. You can find all this, and that's it for me. See you next week right here on The Drive. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.